0: If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Alison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast, Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Hi, and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm your host, Cindy Howes, and I am joined by one of my favorite people in the universe. Lizzie Noe is here. Hello. Hello, Cindy. How are you today? I am doing great.
1: I just got home from a tour with Ron Pope, where we ended up in Boston. You and I got to hang out, it was legendary. <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. there's got to be some sort of alert system out there for when the two of us are physically in the same place. Because I feel like there's like a vibe and a radiation that comes out from it
0: because we have oh, so yeah. much fun that people are probably already aware, you know. So we took a picture and I posted it on my Instagram and I don't understand why it didn't get as many likes as my engagement photo.
1: I don't understand it either. It's Cindy and a beautiful woman named Elizabeth. Who share life together.
0: (laughs) Lizzie, so we're recording this right now. I am 39 years old, but when it gets released, you know how old I will be? 40. 40 years old. I have to say
1: thank you for sharing your 40th birthday cookies with me because those cookies were really good. I would love to know if you have any reflections to share with our listeners
0: as someone that's about to enter their 40th. Yeah. Mm. Um as a person who has some anxiety, I was like there's no way that I could fully celebrate this milestone and have it be good enough. Mm. Um and then I feel like it's the same kind of thing where like I'm on a plane and there's turbulence mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, this is it. We're going down. Of course, you know, I like hype, hype myself up. So then, like, if the plane actually, actually, ever does go down, I'll be like, well, that's fine. Yeah, you've I'm, been, I'm you've ready been ready,
1: it. you've been prepared. Yeah, but what does that actually have to do with um, turning forty? Are you seeing that as like a little, a little death?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a, uh, you know, like the celebration is not going to be good enough. For, like, it's not going to be special enough. Mm-hmm. But if I get nervous in the lead up, then when it's actually time to celebrate, I'll be, like, ready to do it.
1: Interesting, because you've already done the suffering in anticipation. Yeah. So the moment itself can only be, um, you know, whatever. Easy, breezy. Joyous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you. I think 40, you. I think 40 is a really sexy age. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, I wish... I, yes, I agree. I, I have no follow up to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think uh, I was really looking forward to turning 30. Mm-hmm. I was so over my 20s. Oh, yeah. And I feel like the second half of my 30s was like, pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I and the for first year- half I
0: would love a do over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that the other day. I <laughs> have been telling people I am a woman of 30 since I was like 25 because I was so over it. 20s are terrible I feel like people still treat you like a baby yeah it's not good I'm happy to be in my 30s now
0: yeah well I'll let you know what it's like on the other side on the other side of this recording (laughs) yeah um, we have uh, Joy Aladakun on the podcast today, which is very exciting. Um, before we get into that, uh, a couple of things to go over. Basic Folk is a listener-supported podcast, and if you would like to uh, help us out, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can become a contributor by making a donation at basicfolk.com. If you give at least $5 a month, or $60 for the entire year, you get a couple of cool bonuses, including access to Backstage, Which is all of our sweet bonus content that we put out once a month. In a couple of days, we have this really rad episode of Backstage coming out. That's going to be myself, Lizzie No, and Maya Devitri, who is on an upcoming episode of Basic Folk. Um, We'll be doing like a friend guest DJ set where we like play DJ for each other and chat about life and stuff. So that's coming out next week i am so
1: excited for people to hear that chat it's a powerful vibe this trio
0: yeah it's like we each bring our own different type of crystal mm-hmm. to the convo <laughs> i want to be the rose quartz
1: <laughs> i don't know any other crystal names so i too will be the rose quartz
0: <laughs> you could be the onks onks okay it's me. Well, we can't be Amethyst because that's Amethyst, Kia.
1: No, I thought it was Onyx, actually.
0: That might be right. Onyx. You know, I had a really impressive rock collection when I was a child, and I never said the rock names out loud. They were a secret you kept in your heart. Um, Also, another thing is if you give $5 a month, you can get a basic folk beanie, which is a hand-knit winter hat that has a basic folk logo that my mom makes i'm actually at home in my parents house like in the actual room where she makes these beanies i'm sitting two feet away from a, a stack of beanies i don't think are- people
1: realize actually the quality and like fashionability of these beanies i get so many compliments on my beanie they it's so cute yeah that one you're holding is
0: beautiful So she started, so like we, when we first started making these beanies or having this idea for the beanies, I was like, they're all going to be gray. Mm -hmm. So if you watch, like she has this little promotional video where she's like, they come in all sorts of colors and (laughs) they're just all gray except for one of them. (laughs) But then we bought all these colors of like these balls of yarn that were like all these vibrant colors. And then she started like mixing and matching colors together. So cute. Yeah. Yeah. I love my Um, beanie. So that's a great way to support Basic Folk financially. $5 a month, it's like really affordable. You get access to backstage. You get a handmade beanie. If that's uh, not within your grasp right now, another thing you can do is sign up for our newsletter, which you can do at our website, basicfolk.com. It's a monthly newsletter. And then every once in a while, we send you little updates on what's going on. Or you can follow us on social media at Pod. Tell a friend. You can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. All right, Lizzie, we have Joy Aladakun on Basic Folk Today. You did the interview. Set us up, please. Joy Aladakun grew up listening to her dad's extensive
1: record collection um, and falling in love with the wide and wondrous world of rock and roll. You can hear her many diverse sonic influences from Tracy Chapman to Genesis on her Rootsy, contemporary, pop savvy, super catchy, super awesome 2021 album in defense of my own happiness. I think that she has a superpower for melody and strategic repetition. And those superpowers have made her a force to be reckoned with ever since she made the leap from LA to Nashville, where she now makes her life as a working musician. Um, Joy is not only a phenomenal songwriter But she's also fearless and hilarious On social media So believe it or not The catalyst for this conversation Was an interaction that Joy and I had on Twitter And we get into that a little bit Um, I found it fascinating to hear her Talk through how she uses Her big platform As a rising star um, To address social issues And create the kind of world that she wants to see The way I look at it Joy is using emotional transparency as a tool for political change. She is healing in public, and she's gently nudging you to heal as well through her music and through her presence on social media. Her new single, Keeping the Light On,
0: is the perfect distillation of her radical softness. Hmm. She's like, I'm trying to like think of like a fictional character that I would like attribute her to, but I don't know if I could do it, but like. We were talking recently, well, I was talking to you recently Mm -hmm. about the Babysitter's Club. (gasps) Oh Yes. Are you familiar with this franchise? I sure am. Uh, Joy Aladakun reminds me of, like, Christy from the Babysitter's Club.
1: Oh, man, that's a really high compliment, and it's well-deserved. Joy is really
0: special. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that we're now best friends for life. Oh, well, I am also glad. Let's take a listen to um, her song, Leaving the Light On, and then we'll get into our conversation With Lissy, now enjoy a lot of coon on basic folk. Bye. I
2: grew up out in the desert.
1: Welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm Lizzie No, and I am so overjoyed to be interviewing the wonderful Joy Aladukun. Thanks for being here with me, Joy. Thanks for having me. Um, Some people may not know, actually no one knows but us, that this is our second interview (laughs) in this month because we had some audio issues. I'm sorry. But I take it as an opportunity. <laughs> no, I think it's it's just an opportunity that the universe has presented us with. Yeah. To talk about even more things.
2: Yeah, and to be real life friends. I think it's I think that's what's happening.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like in in a movie when the universe just keeps putting people together over and over.
2: That's us. We're the people. All right,
1: I want to talk about Baby Joy and how that person became the star that we know today. So I know that your early musical education came from your father's record collection, and I would love to know if you remember which of his records were your
2: favorite, and if you still gravitate towards vinyl now. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I'm wearing a Genesis t-shirt. My favorite... Genesis! <laughs> My favorite record of my dad's is Invisible Touch by Genesis, because it's, you have Invisible Touch, which is a pop banger about a, a woman, and then you have, like, Land of Confusion, which is like a political rock anthem, mm-hmm. you know? You have sort of the scope of human emotion and experience on that record, uh, and I love Phil Collins more than anyone should and anyone will, so... I, I mean, is it possible to over-love Phil? I don't know. I'm trying. <laughs> Wait, also, can we get you two in a room together? Can we get you guys on a collab? I would love that for me. I have this thing, though, where I'm really terrified of people I'm a fan of hearing my music. R- yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. what if? It's like getting naked in front of your crush. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, keep us posted. I would love to uh, host you and Mr. Collins here on Basic Folk to discuss your mm. uh, duet that you'll release someday.
2: I'd love that.
1: Okay. Back to your actual life. Yes yeah. It is happening. What do you, you mean? You have a really interesting background in that I'll, you kind of cut your teeth musically in the church. yeah. Um, you were a full-time church musician for years. And I want to know musically, like not even in terms of like religion, what did it do for you as far as training you as a performer? Like, are there aspects of your sound now that you would attribute to that upbringing?
2: Uh, oh yeah, totally. I think I owe so much of my sound to that upbringing because it is like I honestly, I basically am writing worship music for youth group rejects, you know, like the kids who smoke too much pot and like are too gay to like have the party, you know, like I just like. Joy, I- you don't need to call me out. <laughs> <in> this way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This
1: isn't gotcha journalism where so- the host is bullied by the guests. <laughs> trying to win a Pulitzer here, trying to flip the script.
2: <laughs> uh, Yeah, I just honestly like. Uh, Yeah, it's everything. I think that that ground was really it taught me a lot. I was such a reluctant leader, Mm. but it taught me a lot about how to get musicians together and how to like find an arrangement and communicate it. And like, I don't know, it it just really taught me a lot about how to like put something together and like communicate my feeling or my idea musically. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think in that world repetition is huge and a yeah. lot of my music is sort of repetitive and uh, I'm sure that drives snobby people crazy but I'm high most of the time so I find it easier to write <gasps> <laughs> things that are catchy in one or two lines you know
1: uh, oh my gosh no I think that's a superpower I I really do like your song I wouldn't describe your songs as repetitive but I would describe them as catchy in the best way in thanks. that you know when to loop someone back to something they're comfortable with and yeah. when to push narratively
2: yeah i mean that's the hope and i think i think that's all church music is that like mm-hmm. it really is like it's so repetitive and it I think the hope is that you walk away remembering the ideas that you've been singing um yeah and f- music for me has always been this tool to like help myself or help others like just like buck up a little because life is hard you know and or for me to communicate like deep and complicated emotions or like intersections of my identity, you know, like, and just, Mm I don't know, music, making music is where I feel most myself.
1: My favorite song on your wonderful album, In Defense of My Own Happiness, is Let It Be Me. And the chorus goes, if you poison the apple, why plant the tree? If there's one in the city you're willing to keep, let it be me. And I think that really speaks to this struggle with God, maybe struggle with leaders, patriarchy in a way. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of being alienated by the Old Testament God who, you know, destroyed a whole city because... A lot of people were sinful you know it's sort of like a it's sort of like you know you're being led into your own destruction um so how do you sit with the teachings of the church like how do you sit with religion nowadays do you have a relationship with God do you have a belief in God do you have a spiritual practice yeah and like how is that showing up in your songs
2: yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's funny that the first question you asked was about my dad, um, and like his record collection cuz that song is like it's an homage to like the time he and I spent listening to specifically Phil Collins music growing up and like and I it is this like tense relationship where like I did like I grew up Christian and I grew up knowing like I I knew that I was gay when I was like eight, you know, like I was very young, like it did not take very much. Uh, And, uh, and I, my dad just like, he, he was from a country where it was illegal to be gay and, and he had a really, really hard time when I came out and just had a really hard time with the concept of like, you know, people loving people in different ways and, uh, And so, in the same way that, like, I had a choice when I came out to my dad to, like, either be like, F you, dad. I hate you. Let's not do this ever again. Or be like, I'm sorry you feel that way. (laughs) But, you know, I'm just going to, like, keep, like, walking in my, like, power and in my truth and try to be happy and healthy and live a life of integrity and hope that, like, as he sees me live that way, he becomes more and more comfortable. And it, like, it is crazy. Like, my dad, when I came out, said that he didn't want to meet someone, like, anyone that I would date, you know? And then a year ago, he met my partner. And, like, it, like, just to see him walk that journey is sort of the same journey I, like, I sort of walk with religion is, like, I, I, everybody... The only people that told me I couldn't come to the party uh, were people. Like, Jesus doesn't really talk about homosexuality, you know? And, like, Old Testament God is kind of a dick, you know? (laughs) And, like... We can say it. We can say it. (laughs) We can admit it. We have to. It's important. And I'm sure
1: if the Old Testament God were here right now, he'd be like, you know what? You got a point. I was really on some violent shit in those days.
2: Well, just the... It's it's not even the violent shit, it's the it's like he was just fucking with us because it's like it's the it's the flip flopping. It's the like, Yes It's like, hey, sacrifice your son, never mind, here's a goat. Never mind.
1: I tried to explain the story of Job to my stepson the other day. And he was like, What? God just let the devil like mess with this guy that had done nothing wrong? Like yeah. Just to prove a point. And the point that I was trying to make was about Job's friends who came and sat by him to comfort him and sat in silence and just like how presence can be comforting. But in explaining the backstory, I was like, wait, wait a second. Even a 12 year old can can tell you this is
2: messy. Yeah. And unprovoked. And unprovoked. It's like there are (laughs) other ways, like to like ask someone to do something you would like them to do. Um, but whatever, uh, you know, and like, or like to like teach someone, you know, like I just think that the like Old Testament God deals in extremes and that's what let, mm-hmm. let it be me is about is like, wh- you know, why place a queer kid in a home with a dad that is not going to feel okay with it, you know, or mm. why, you know, why you know place a black kid in like a town in the middle of nowhere in Arizona where she's like one of the few and like just be like figure it out assimilate or not (laughs) I don't know (laughs) you know Do you feel like you've ever
1: come up with an answer for those types of questions like do you believe in destiny or do you feel like shit has just happened you know like are you trying to answer those questions actively in your life
2: Yeah, well, no, I, I honestly, I think destiny and redemption, I think we tend to think of them as like inactive things that we just wait to happen. But I honestly think that like, my whole life has been like looking at the pieces I've been given and being like, okay, like, how does this make sense in the, like, in the context of like, what I believe in my value system in the world Mm -hmm. that we live in, like, and how I can contribute to it. Uh, And and just m- move from there and I think that's destiny because I think that like uh like if you sort of sit around waiting for things to make sense, they never do <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> uh,
1: like, why was I born in this time and place under these circumstances with this particular set of personality traits like, I think
2: about that too. Yeah. I think that's a, I, you can really go down a horrible rabbit hole. There. Yeah, yeah. And so I think like it, it's been more about like creating a life that m- makes sense with who I am and that feels true to who I am. And, and uh yeah, I just like, I I believe it's like they're all happy and unhappy accidents and like someone could be orchestrating them or not. Yeah. Uh But I think that that life is sort of like what you do with what you're given and i think that's Mm -hmm. the that's the tea okay
1: speaking of tea (laughs) i want to briefly bring up part of what sparked this initial conversation which was like a little twitter moment a few weeks ago (laughs) um me you know the responding to each and every terrible thing that happens in country music and in America is is not my work. But I do think it's really helpful to share your perspective on what it is like to be a black woman in this industry. Um, So I'm going to return to a tweet of yours that resonated with a a lot of people, where you said, I like being in Nashville, so I'm going to stay And I'm going to speak up when things make me sad or angry, as long as it's my job to, because I have influence and I'm going to normalize letting y'all see black women cry in public. Um, Let me contrast that with an interview that you gave Rolling Stone last summer, where you said, how do I be vulnerable? How do I be honest? How do I tell the truth, but not take somebody's hand and stick it into the open wound in my side? So that, because that's not fun. Yeah. Um, I feel like you're not only with your music but like with the interviews that you give and what you say on social media like working on this conversation that a lot of artists are are wrestling with right now which is like how can i be vulnerable how can i be honest without harming myself um so let's talk about that like when do you find it useful to speak out about racism (laughs) when do you think it's helpful to cry in public like Cause I do feel that you're strategic with when you speak out and, and when you share that those vulnerable thoughts and I maybe could use some advice and maybe the whole world could use
2: a little insight. Yeah, man. I just like, I, I think there, there are moments when like a people's commitment to, to toxic systems and like specifically like the racism in like country music, like it's like, It drives me a little nuts because I Mm -hmm. I feel like there are moments where it's like, this doesn't just, this is not, this is not the world that, you know, your aunts and uncles that made racist jokes at at Thanksgiving grew up in, you know, there. And you have a line about that on your album about when your mom has
1: a glass of wine and she says something that doesn't feel right.
2: Yeah. I mean, cause I also, I grew up around a lot of like people unlike me and predominantly white people yeah. and the things that people would say when they got comfortable, like is insane, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And And I think I had to walk a fine line of like, there were times where I wouldn't say anything and that it didn't sit right. And I think I learned that like, I I I actually, I often say this when I like face any like, you know, backlash or like I'm having conversations with my team about speaking out about something is, uh, it's like being at a dinner party and someone makes a joke and you have like this opportunity to set up the next marginalized person that walks into that person's life yeah up for either failure or for more discomfort or like you have the opportunity to say something or to be silent or to laugh along and whatever you do like flows down the river you know of life so
1: terrible
2: yeah but yeah and uh, and I think in that particular instance, the thing that I was tweeting about was it's not just about the fact that this kid is feeding off success that comes from white supremacy. It's also the fact that like there are clear like substance abuse issues. And like like I'm an artist, and I want I want the people who like I'm like cutting into my success to love me enough to say, hey, you don't seem healthy. Stop it. Yeah, and you're like you're not making good choices. You're surrounding yourself
1: with the wrong people. You're you're self-destructing. Yeah, course correct.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not always going to get it right, and I really am doing my best, and I want to do this for a long time. And I think that these mu- music industry people have got too comfortable selling posthumous albums, and it like I'm yes. not. I'm not like I'm not comfortable with that idea of like an artist can make me money whether they're dead or alive like I like I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna make decisions for my life and I think the the thing that was making me sad was was just the mingling of the white supremacy and the and the carelessness for like lots of lives you know, yes. uh, and you know, this is in a town where like someone got executed on the freeway last week, you know, like, it, like, yeah, I just, I, uh, yeah, and I think the reason I show my emotion when I do is to remind people that I'm human. Like, sometimes when okay. I hit back to like trolls on Twitter, it's because like uh, these these nameless faceless closet masturbators think that they're not talking to real people and they say they see you as like oh this loud mouth or whatever because you're singing
1: about whatever you're singing about your life and your truth but they forget that there's a whole person
2: yeah like don't be mad at me for being brave like yeah (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, cause I like, I'm a so soci- I'm a socially anxious person. I like, I uh, this is not my, this is not the gig I would pick for myself if I was picking gigs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but I do it because like, I listen to music and I love it. Like, and I consume it rap, like rabidly. And like, and, and every once in a while I'll hear, I'll hear a gap in the culture or I'll see a gap in the moment. And I like. You know, I'm like it, it, fucked up by the Nina Simone thing that says we should yeah. reflect the times. And I just want to fill in that space and say, like, here's a perspective that might be missing. Um, And uh, and I also think we're the most powerful people on the planet right now. And it makes me so like I have cried to my partner over this, like like because I, like I think that if like if we as musicians cared 25 not even, 6% more than we do, like, we would, like, holy crap, like, because music is the only thing that people listen to without any preconceived notions or, like, you know, stereotypes or, like, you know, like, maybe some stereotypes, if I say I'm going to play you a country record, you might bristle a little, you know, but, like, you know, but I, like, I, like...
1: But I do think you have a point there that, for better or for worse... A lot of music can be played in the background out of Starbucks. When people are not listening with a critical ear, they're just going about their day. Yeah. You have a chance to talk to people while they wash the dishes, while they drive to work. Like it's just all about what sounds good, yeah. what feels good. And so if you have a message, you can kind of get it in there. Yeah. And you can yeah. you can kind of get into households that you
2: yourself would never be invited into yes and to like help them that's the other Mm -hmm. thing it's like yeah and that's the church music in me where it's like I just like like I just a lot of my songs are based on the things I need to hear when I'm going through hard times Mm. and like it's just like we have such a gift and music is so cool and it is so like it is so magical and I like I hope that at the end of my, like, career, like, that I, like, will have done, like, due diligence to the, like, the magic and the influence and the responsibility of that influence. Wow.
1: This is making me think about your new song, Keeping the Light On. Yeah. It really does feel like a benediction. What led you to write that? Why release it right now?
2: Yeah. Um... I don't know if you know, but things have been tough here on planet Earth.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> did something
2: happen? <laughs> <laughs> Some things have gone down. <laughs> yeah. Some things go down. Things are currently going down while we're having this fine time. Uh, and uh, I was, uh, I've was i been, like, hanging out and working with Ian Fitchick, who did the KC Musgraves record, mm-hmm. and, like, uh, Mike Elizondo, who... I like to say, did the real Slim Shady, but he has done other things. <laughs> uh, he, has, he has done in other... His defense.
1: He has done other... He's done
2: a lot, yeah. He has done other more important things. Most recently, we don't talk about Bruno. Proud of you, Mike. Yeah. Um, and they have been... Uh, I don't like people touching my my things. <laughs> I like... <gasps> I like, And so I really... I trust Mike and Ian above all and like... I went into the studio and, like, I was, like, here's what I'm thinking and here's what I've been dealing with and, you know, like, here's what my partner and I are going through and, like, here's what we're learning about love and, you know, and commitment and life and, like, and I've been writing a record that's about where I, about my life, like, where I grew up and, like, how I, like, I don't know, how I, how I dealt (laughs) with it all and, like, I, uh, yeah, I just, I, we came up with the chorus and I was like, yeah, it's not, keeping the light on is not easy. And then we wrote the rest of the song.
1: <laughs> I want to talk more about the sort of emotional obstacle course of being an artist, especially kind of through the lens of your duet with Marin Morris, which I love so much. Bigger Man is about this you know, double and triple work that people that marginalized people have to do to be extra classy and graceful um, when we get disrespected. So what do you hope listeners take away? Like, who do you think that song is for? And what's it like to perform it live?
2: Yeah, um, that song is for everyone. I like, here's what's cute about my demographic. There are a lot of like, like white men cuz on paper I am a white man. I often like to yes. joke. <laughs> yes. No, I You love Genesis? Yeah. I play
1: guitar. I, I your influences, you you do the things that like uh white dudes do for fun. Claim to be into, but you actually are living it. Yeah, I have a camper van. Yeah. So, do you know that Miranda Lambert song? Little Red Wagon, oh, which yeah. is like, I play guitar, and I go on the road, and I do all the shit
2: you want to do. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's you. <laughs> yeah, and I, like, I I don't know. I am, um, I don't know. I just, like, it, it, I, Bigger Man was, like, I I just walked into the session with Marin and, like, the, Jimmy and Laura, the, like, the people I was riding with that day, and, like, had been meditating on sort of the concept of, like, having to be stronger and better than the people who should be stronger and better um but everybody can relate to the feeling of being an underdog and so I think that I wanted to write it in such a way that was like it's clearly about like here's Marin, like a woman in country forging her own path and like here's me doing whatever it is I'm doing for whatever reasons I'm doing Mm -hmm. them (laughs) you know and And like sort of laying out our stories and our struggles, but in a way that like a white dude from Connecticut could listen to it and be like, I relate to that, you know, like, you know, or like, I've never considered that life might be like that, you know, Mm -hmm. like, because there's that tension of like, you know, someone different than me can relate to the sense of hard work or Mm -hmm. feeling like they've had to come a long way. But when you hear it from a black woman, it takes on a different meaning. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, I just like, that song means a lot to me. And I, honest to God, still can't believe she just like sang on it. I'm still... It's so good. It's great. But like, she didn't have to, she has other things to do. <laughs> she has a baby. She plays tennis. She also sings from time to time. Yeah, she has a career too.
1: Yeah. You know, what's so interesting about that is I'm now seeing that line in a different light that goes, maybe it's your turn to think before you speak. Because I feel like the I feel like the white guy line of the past 10 years is like, I can't say anything without getting in trouble. I have to be so careful. Yeah. But I don't think people realize that. That is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, if you think you have to be careful when you talk, try being a black woman. You know, I like, we're being called angry. We're being yeah. called aggressive. We're being called the woke mafia, even if we just, like, open our mouths. Yeah. So I think just having a little compassion for what other people go through. Like, you think you got it bad? Try it for more than three minutes. Yeah. is such a great way of phrasing that.
2: Yeah. It, yeah it's just sort of this like it's just like I think I tweeted a while ago like white men I love you so much but you don't have to comment on everything and the, yeah. the replies were all white men <laughs> just, commenting. Like, commenting and being really upset and I'm like I'm just having trouble I even started with how much I love you and I'm yeah. not, you know and I just like I think there is this tension when you've been the predominant voice and this is like even true and just like personality types like this doesn't have to like it like it just like when you're used to being the predominant voice or when you have to be the voice that says everything you know uh it's really uncomfortable to be asked to sit out and make space for silence or for things you don't want to hear yeah um and I do think that there's a real genuine fear
1: under it it's not hatred really It's fear of losing power, being taken over by someone else, because I don't think most white people can imagine a world in which power is not oppressive. They know that like, they've had power and they've used it to oppress everyone else. So they assume, oh, if anyone else gets power, they're going to do the same to me. Whereas a lot of us are advocating for a world in which we all have opportunities and no one is harming anyone else. And I think that's just impossible for a lot of people, particularly white cis men to imagine because yeah. they've never, it would never occur to them to have power and not use it oppressively.
2: <laughs> yeah. And just end a world where reparations are made for the harm that was done. Like imagine right. saying, sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like imagine if you said sorry and it didn't make you any less. To share with anyone else, yeah. and it didn't,
2: and it didn't hurt to say sorry, you yeah. know, like it actually might heal you, yeah, and like listen, I being saying sorry sucks, it sucks. I, as someone who loves, who loves to be right, who eats it for breakfast every morning, oh, saying sorry sucks, but doing it relationally, like I have seen in my life, like as I've learned to just like humble myself. And like, and just be like, I was wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and I hurt you, you know, or I didn't hear you like, and to see how that opens up a softness and a dialogue and a vulnerability right. and like, and growth and health and healing for that person. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, mm-hmm. and it requires you to apologize. And it also requires you to like, step down for a little bit and allow mm-hmm. space, you know, and, and and i think that white culture is really uncomfortable with the space because it like any time the any time white people have been given space they've they've take they've rushed it and taken it you know and like yeah. and they think that people do that to them but it really is the world is at such a place where like really like it's just like you know maybe if you're going to make millions of dollars off of artifacts you found in africa send them some money yeah <laughs> you know or maybe perhaps if you're gonna like take people from their homeland you know and bring them and you know use them for labor and a new one and then free them and maybe you do more than just pat them on the butt and say good luck uh, you know maybe- Well, and we teach kids this so easily that like if you do something
1: wrong it's okay to apologize and say you did a wrong thing, and that doesn't mean you are a bad person. No, it's okay to say I did a wrong thing, and I'm going to fix it and actually fix it. We hate people who can never admit they were wrong. Like yeah. it, you become a cartoon character, but all of white culture is that cartoon character.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I genuinely feel like America is now experiencing like this sort of like reckoning of of centuries of being unable to say I'm sorry in full uh like it really is like it's crazy that we're still having arguments about why the confederate flag makes people uncomfortable
1: the fact that we that fact that there are people who need to who feel the need to quote unquote teach both sides on the holocaust like these need to be the basics
2: I just like I don't what? <laughs> like, I don't What's even not clicking. I don't even know. Like I don't even know what to even say or do. Yeah, or, we, like, there's. I feel like there's nowhere to begin with that point
1: of view. Like we just don't need to entertain it anymore. Yeah, we need to just move forward and and hopefully people who are still stuck in that mindset can catch up but if not bye-bye that's my
2: view I don't you don't need to co-sign that yeah no I honestly <laughs> I honestly do co-sign it and that's why I like I appreciate you saying that I'm strategic for when like when I speak out because I like I like there's a lot of shit that I see go down that I'm like man if I had more time would I mm-hmm. take care of that
1: <laughs> in those moments when you're when you're having a dark thought that you feel isn't you know sanitized for the world you can feel free to just text it to me i'm a scorpio i will
2: keep your secrets oh amazing (laughs) that's beautiful yeah i that's actually great to know i have you're gonna (laughs) good luck (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah i mean it just is uh it's a wild world
1: Wait, wait, let's move on to a, like the light at the end of the tunnel and that's a dramatic way of putting it because I think that you are the type of person that's surrounding yourself with light all the time. Um with regard to your career, what is success to you and how are you making
2: it happen? Yeah. Um I once said to Rachel, my partner on the porch that my favorite thing about Tracy Chapman is that she's still alive. Yes. Like, think about it. Yes. In an industry that, like, either, like, devours people very young or too soon mm-hmm. or, like, keeps people in a cycle of creation that I don't always think, I, I don't always think serves the creative or the people that they're, like, I really don't. Like, I. Audiences do not
1: need a new record from every band every one to two years. They really do not.
2: They really do not. Or, like, you know, like, I just, like, there's something so beautiful about, I just felt like she had her, like, she had her tenure. Like, she had a moment where she said, like, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to offer, and now I'm going to, like, now I'm going to do other things, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, and to me, success is is keeping hold of my vision. Like, and my vision, like when i started writing songs in my apartment in la was to to just to give a little hope like i was i was listening to so many songs specifically about love that were about how awful love was and like how like fucked up we are and like yeah we're fucked up but like people still drive people to the airport that they care about yeah. you know so love exists you know and like you know people still i just like You know, you still get the goosebumps when, you know, the person you like says the right thing at the right time. Like, like there are good, beautiful things on this planet. And I just like I started making music at a time where I was like, I just want to talk more about the good because I like I'm sad, too. (laughs) Yeah. Life is dark and hard, you know, and I don't ever want to shy away from it. But I don't I don't think life is pointless or hopeless. And, like, even if it's just, like, getting good vegetables from the garden, like, I, mm-hmm. like it, like that might be worth it for the yeah. day, you know? Um, for
1: me, my, like, I love to have little moments of gratitude towards objects. Like, the Marie Kondo thing really speaks mm-hmm. to me. Like, especially if I wear a wool sweater, I think about the sheep every time I put on the wool sweater. Like, thanks, guys. Yeah. I hope you're doing good. Yeah. Or, I- like, on the way to my house today... I passed by a bodega and it had like the awning sign. It was like bright blue with red lettering. And I like looked closely and I was like, oh, this wasn't like printed. This wasn't screen printed. Somebody hand painted the words bodega, coffee, tea, deli, grocery, and and had little flourishes on the side. And I was like, I just love to imagine that that afternoon where somebody took out the plywood and painted the bodega sign. And it looks
2: great. You did great. (laughs) yeah honestly that's success to me like i like i i love referencing my my albums as like loaves of bread or like chairs (laughs) like like handmade artisan chairs like i i um success to me is being able to make something well for as long Mm. as you can make it and to just give it to the world at a at a pace and price that is sustainable and that, like, honors, like, what you do and how hard you work to do it, and, uh, I just, like, I want to carve a path for artists and for myself that, one, has a way out, that, two, is sustainable, that, three, is, uh, it's just heartfelt, like, yes. I, I just, like, I want... It's, like, my songs are, like, church potluck food. Like, it may not be the best food, but it just hits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your
1: like, your songs, to me, are the ambrosia.
2: Yeah. like
1: I, I hope that's not insulting. It's not. Because it's, some people are like, oh, that's this or that. I think it's the best.
2: Uh, ambrosia is delicious. Delicious. And, like, and again, I, I do... I do cannabis does enhance my palate, so I can't say that I trust all my my decisions. But I just feel like Ambrosia was a nice thing to say about my music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I meant it
1: that way. Thank you so much. Um, so, speaking of your the like the world that you want to live in, um, and the sustainability side of of being an artist, what do you do when you need to step away from music? Are you in the garden are you on the rock climbing
2: wall Mm. what's your like decompress this is for me time yeah um i do i garden i am that person that has a garden i uh what are you growing in there uh well right now it it just is cold in nashville so there's nothing going on in there i did it's winter (laughs) i did harvest some radishes like a couple weeks before our first frost some daikon radish I love radishes. They're yummy. Okay, I'm gonna be at your house later. Yeah, no, I'll 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 grow you some things. We can we can make a salad. We can get into some trouble.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Two ladies making
2: salad, (laughs) healing the world. Yeah, baby.
1: Thursdays on NBC.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like truly the most uninteresting pitch ever. But to me, I'm like that's a good time that's a good time that's a good we can call it the two woke girls two woke girls (laughs) done i'm in yeah i mean gardening going outside is huge i Mm -hmm. i have been craving like a hiking trip or moment i think that's gonna come up for me soon when it's not raining in nashville um i watch a lot of videos of uh, a teenager smoking pot on youtube (laughs) what What? Here's what's true. Okay. It's like an ASMR for for people who are perpetually high, like me. It's like like a kid'll be like, I got this bong from from Daily High Club, and I'm gonna unwrap it, and then we're gonna smoke six pounds of gorilla glue together. And like they just talk about like their cars or their girlfriends or their lives, and I just listen. (laughs) <laughs> and just You've along. just opened a door that I need to run
1: through. Can, okay, here's I, my question about that. Can they get in trouble?
2: So, yeah, like, it's, am I Am I,
1: like... I, I know I was raised, like, in a Catholic school, but, like, to me, the idea of, like, smoking weed on the... and, like, putting it on the internet scares me a
2: lot. It's a big deal. No, it's a big deal. Uh, yeah, so how it works is... I know so much about it because I'll send you some of my favorite ones please, after please, this, obviously. Please. Uh how it works is they are they get demonetized, so YouTube won't pay out those channels, but they're okay. relatively popular. And so what they'll do is they'll sort of build brands around their weed channel. So they'll either have, like, Eric Kahn, one of the guys I watch, has, like, a car channel because he's really into cars, okay. and that's sort of how he, like, makes his money. And then, like, Yola, who is this other guy I watch occasionally. Yola... Uh- Not Americana Superstar Yola. Not Americana Superstar Yola. It's another, uh, it's another guy that goes by (laughs) Dope is Yola. It's like this chubby Mexican guy. And he just like, he does challenge videos. So he'll tape like weed pens to his hands and finish them. (laughs) And like, he, like, it's just like, and so, and he does story times He's lived a very interesting life. I don't endorse everything that Yola says, but I do. But I do. uh, I do have a. Well, no, I actually. That's noted. We've noted that for the record. Yeah, we've no. Well, no, Yola has a podcast that I find a little problematic, but the weed videos are fun. Uh,
1: (laughs) So if you had one of these channels, like if you were like, it's me, the Joy Channel. I smoke weed and also talk about X. What is your, like, antique cars? Like, what's your, like, niche interest you would use to monetize your weed-smoking YouTube channel?
2: I honestly might do, like, listening to, to vinyls and talking about them. I just, like, like, our collection yes. is pretty huge. I would say that we have, I think I personally own about, like, 200. 200 records. And, like, Rachel probably has... I don't know. She's probably bringing a good seventy-five to the table. Love so we it. we have a good we have a good stack. Uh, and I, I would watch that. Yeah, I'm I would f- watch that show
1: in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah, or cartoons, or I would talk about the Muppets. Uh, yep, you are a Muppets expert. I love the Muppets. Muppets, Sesame Street, anything Jim Henson touched, I'm in.
1: Well, if any uh, network executives are listening in, we've now pitched. Two great ideas that if you're smart, you'll snap up. Yeah. Okay. I would like to conclude the earnest part of the interview and move to the lightning round. Are you willing and able to do a lightning round in which I ask you quick questions and... Uh, you can't ask for clarification. You just go from the gut. For yeah. those who are just listening on audio, Joy is limbering <laughs> up. She's doing some stretching and calisthenics, which I'm taking as a sign that she is ready. Yeah,
2: I give a damn. For the okay. lightning round. Okay, let's
1: go. Number one, what is one special fact about your dog that the world needs
2: to know? She is the most precious baby on the planet. Like, I, I know you think your dog's cute, this dog is cuter. I promise you. Yep. Um, who who was your first celebrity crush? <laughs> um, first celebrity crush, Maria from Sesame Street. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is so wholesome.
2: Yeah, love you, Maria. Um,
1: what is the ideal number of minutes for a midday nap? Twenty. What is the best movie you've seen recently?
2: I think this was in the first lightning round, at Pineapple Express. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: if you could go on a road trip with any songwriter,
2: living or dead, who would it be? That's tough, because some songwriters are not interesting. So true. Maybe Bob Marley. Great. Oh, yeah, that would be
1: a great time you could hang um what is the most important food item or beverage on your rider when you go on tour twizzlers oh Oh, twizzlers topo chico topo chico and twizzlers um ladies and gentlemen and people of non-binary experience joy alada has been a fantastic guest her album in defense of my own happiness is phenomenal and her new single is so great please listen to it all. Support her work. Go see her on tour. Joy, you've been the best. Thank you so much for being on Basic Folk.
0: Basic Folk This Week was produced by John Nungesser. Alex Stanton composes our music. You can find all of the episodes of Basic Folk wherever you find podcasts or at basicfolk.com. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye.